Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. All right. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? I am Ben Kissel, and I'm staring at the T-shirt of Marcus Parks. You're staring at my T-shirt? <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, you know it. You know, Marcus, I got a problem, bud. What is it? Sleep eating. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, dude. It is, like, pathetic. Little Red Riding Hood, she left crumbs so she could find her way home. Uh-huh. Apparently, I do that every time I get out of bed. <laughs> I go to uh, the, the- Sleep eating again. Sleep eating is a problem. I, this isn't new for you. I know. I don't remember doing it. I'm waking up. My roommate's like, there's chips, and you see where I'm walking. It's uh-huh. a zigzag pattern i don't know maybe i'm trying to avoid a bear and i'm going to the bathroom and then that's where i do the bulk of my eating <laughs> and so it's really just kind of going one in you know out the other and i so i got a major problem here okay. so okay. I, i'm really kind of reeling because i'm trying to lose weight i got on the scale to weigh puffin uh-huh um it was 337 pounds okay without puffin it was 315 pounds puffin gained two pounds <laughs> Oh, I knew Puffin was going to gain weight. Oh, my God. We're, we are got to get him going down, and we can't do it. That's unfortunate. Well, he's so damn cute. Uh, we don't have... I mean, what do we got? This is a dumb week. Can we just admit this is another dumb <laughs> week in reality show week. president? Yes, very much a very, very dumb week. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, small correction. It's not Kim Kardashian's aunt that was pardoned. I never want to mention Kim Kardashian's name again. I have no problem with her. She does what she does, uh-huh. and she's making her money. Good for you. But it was a great-grandmother... For some reason, I thought it was maybe her great-grandmother. It's a great-grandmother that was pardoned by Donald Trump for a non-violent drug offense, and she was given a life sentence, and so that that was fine. Okay. Very very good. Fine. All right. (laughs) There we go. Fine. Correction. Uh, The opioid epidemic, I got a lot of emails, a lot of DMs coming in from people who have struggled with that. Thank you all so much for sharing your stories with me. I think we'll do a special episode uh, here coming up in the near future. Maybe I'll read some of those. Very long. 72,000 people uh, will uh, have died. Uh, this was uh, the number is continuing to go up. Seventy two thousand people. Uh, I believe it's this year alone. Wow. Uh, have died from the opioid epidemic. Perhaps it's just last year. But nonetheless, the numbers continue to go up. And in North Carolina, uh, fentanyl is being used now to uh, to uh, kill people on death row. Yep. Which is very interesting. The pharmaceutical companies are against it because they're worried it's going to hurt their brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the 72,000 people died, dead from an overdose uh, should be their main concern. But nonetheless, North Carolina is now executing people using fentanyl, the same drug that is uh, all over our streets 
and uh, in heroin and things like that. So bizarre, bizarre situation there. And that's why, you know, I'm kind of against I'm, I've been against the death penalty ever since I was a child. Yeah, I just don't think the government uh, should be killing people. And quite frankly, life in uh, life in prison is a death sentence. We all have we all have a death sentence, Marcus. As soon as we're born, we're <laughs> we given a death di- sentence. We start dying, yeah. So uh, the the man actually on death row, what was his name here out of North Carolina? He his final words were actually really interesting. He admitted to killing two people. I mean, obviously this guy did some horrible things, and uh, in no way are we going to condone his actions. His name was Carrie Dean Moore, and uh, his final statement it was a written letter. And uh, he talks about the what he believes four innocent men on death row, and he wants to see justice for them. So as far as someone who's trying to go out, perhaps trying to make amends and try to save a couple of lives after taking a couple of lives, uh, who knows if uh, there'll be any movement on that. But there are a lot of people on death row that are innocent. The studies say it's roughly 3%, um, but you can figure it's, it, I would say it's, it's a little bit more than that because our criminal justice system is what I would call as a professional uh-huh. fucked. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Okay, it, I, it, I, it is fucked. I was going to say woefully flawed. Yeah. Oh, that's professional. <laughs> no, I used a curse. <laughs> Speaking of uh, trials, Manafort trial, it's now in the hands of the jury. We haven't heard yet. Interestingly enough, the defense... Uh, Easy day. Yeah. They were like, we're good. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Some folks, uh, more legal experts than myself, have said that they poked holes in the prosecution's case. Obviously, as the prosecution was presenting their case, they think they've done enough to say, yo, dude, Rick Gates is not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of relying on the scumbag factor. And the jury is saying, well, I'm not going to believe that guy. It's sort of it's it's two it's two pigs in crap blaming one another for being dirty well, is what, really what it is. And then they also say Manafort has a trial in a month coming up. So if he took the stand, he would be under oath and then they could use that against him in the trial in the future. He's busy. Well, wasn't there a fair amount of uh, actual evidence, like paper evidence, paper trails and things like that? that they were able to prove that uh, he'd been yeah. up to some dirty business like oh, quite a bit. There was a lot of evidence from yeah. my understanding of it. Again, yeah. we, we won't really know until uh, we can hear some more of the uh, more uh, information on the case. But, yeah, they had a lot of evidence. And I guess that was what the prosecution was saying. They had two hours, both the prosecution and the defense in their final statements, that's where they get all dressed up. They wear their makeup. They got the Broadway lights. It's the marquee has their name, prosecutor, defense. It's their time to shine, time to get on the stage. And the prosecutors were like, yeah, this is all the evidence. Ties him to all of these oligarchs. Ties him to all these corrupt uh, politicians. We have all the offshore bank accounts. We have the millions of dollars in tax evasion because he said it wasn't income. It was loans. Mm-hmm. We have all of that evidence. So who the heck knows? I mean, again, unless you're in the jury box, we really don't know what the heck they're thinking. And it is just another situation as we had in 2016, not not relitigating, but it is just like just a bunch of scumbags doing scumbag stuff. And then the jury has to decide which scumbag is worse than which other scumbag. And we'll see. He's staring down the barrel of 300 years. And even if he is acquitted on this, which would be huge. Yeah. I mean, this would Donald Trump. 
his heart would grow three sizes that day. <laughs> he would be, he would smile like the Joker just gave him. What was that? Uh, Smilex. Smilex. <laughs> he would be so thrilled because that really would be a big blow to the Russia investigation if Mueller goes oh for one to start off here. Yeah. So uh, there is a lot riding on it, and Manafort. It's kind of interesting. This trial is almost a proxy war. Yeah. You know. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> is. And yeah. he's just. Man, I Listen, don't know. all of the other you know people in Trump's campaign that have been <clears throat> indicted, of which there have been a few. And the Russians. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, Manafort, Manafort's the big hog. Yeah, he's, he's the big hog, He's definitely. the big one, and then everyone else is flipping. We haven't heard from Papadopoulos in a while. Obviously, Rick Gates being uh, their number one go-to guy, which, as we said in the last episode, I think equated it to basically Sammy the Bull. Yeah. Uh, this man is a horrible person who's done horrible things, but I guess the prosecution got him to flip. And so he's their horrible guy. Yeah, the really good people usually don't hang out with horrible scumbags like Paul Manafort. Those people yeah. usually aren't privy to all of the inside business dealings. They usually tend to, scumbags tend to cluster together. What are you saying? Are you telling me <laughs> Trump's former campaign manager maybe was a, uh, was a uh, what do you call that? Uh, birds of a feather flock together. Birds of a feather flock together. That's a good way to put it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, these are uh, these people. They all work together. You know, they all yeah. hang out with each other. There are no good people in the Trump White House. There are well, no good people on Trump's team. If well, you agree to work with them, you're a scumbag. Yeah, I, I do it. I take the job. Tall, tall relations. <laughs> Ben Kissel here. I'm working for the yeah. Trump administration for tall relations. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe we need there's... to start raising the ceilings of these restaurants. <laughs> maybe there's a couple of people that think maybe they can do uh, well, good work from the inside, but you know, like uh, you know, but were... I would say uh, Cohen is not a hero. Omarosa is not a well, hero. Well, we're going to get into Omarosa. <laughs> She's not. Yeah, no. the, these are not good people that we're dealing with. Well, here. now that now that Omarosa is out of the White House, we are learning a lot. Yeah. She was a real Linda Tripp in there. Uh-huh. She recorded everything, yeah, including her firing by General Kelly. Now, this recording took place. So anyway, that's about the Manafort trial. We'll, we'll cover that when we have a verdict. Yeah. Uh, so Omarosa, she's the author of a new book. It's called Unhinged, uh-huh. which I think is accurate on many levels. And she was fired by the Trump White House. She was fired in the Situation Room by General Kelly. This has been a total storm. This is... This is sort of Mike Wolf, Michael Wolf's fire and fury part deal. Mm-hmm. So she's fired by General Kelly. She records the conversation. This is very controversial. Obviously, you cannot have a recording device in the Situation Room under any normal circumstance. No, this would be um, people would be freaking out more about the recording than the content of the recording. The content of the recording, from my understanding, it's a pretty simple, cut and dry, like firing. Because quite frankly. Amarosa didn't really have a job. Yeah. She was just aide to the president. She was just a counsel to the president. And he really brought her on in a, um, I, I guess, a show of gratitude because let's not forget Amarosa, she was very much about making America great again. Yes, she was. She was, she blasted the left when Trump won. She gloated. She was peacocking all over town. So it's kind of funny now to see people. Uh, on the left, try to be like, Amarosa doesn't like him. See, that proves he's a bad guy. Amarosa's considered the worst reality television star of all time. She's like number one villain. Yeah. So we have to remember that again. Like, yes, she doesn't like Donald Trump, but just because your enemy of your enemy is not always your friend. That's yeah. all I'm saying. She's, it's still Amarosa, for crying out loud. <laughs> She's just trying to sell a book. But, you know, it is interesting. Of course, Donald Trump had an opportunity to perhaps, just maybe, 
seek the high ground and say, well, she's uh, Amorosa, I'm sorry, whatever, you got to go. And uh, I don't think that she should be attacking me like this. Instead, he called her a lowlife and then referred to her as a dog. So once again, we are, as the former analogy goes, two pigs wrestling and crap. Mm-hmm. And well, the big story here uh, is, uh, you know, you touched on it a little bit. The big story is that this person had an unencrypted cell phone they in s- the situation room. They say she used a, a recording pen. A recording Everything pen. Everything is record. I don't trust this. <laughs> I don't trust this water so bottle. It wasn't I a- don't trust this Dunkin' Donuts cup. <laughs> Everything's recording now. So it wasn't, but she was still using recording devices. Yes, absolutely. In the situation room. And then putting them on computers, you know, even the, yes. it still stands. Even if it wasn't a cell phone, she's still putting it on a computer. She's yes. still downloading it somewhere. Right. You know, this isn't a little tiny, you know, cassette tape no this is a digital file that exists how many other digital files did she record well she's promising more tapes uh so far well, she's going to be releasing dirt tapes but it's going to be filthy like how many uh how many security meetings did she end up sitting in well on? that's a major concern and we'll talk about john brennan former cia director here in a second who had his security clearance revoked um, no word on Jared Kushner yet, yeah. but that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's really a big concern, and I think everyone in the intelligence com- uh, community is like, okay, maybe we didn't, maybe we need to treat this like everyone, like you're going into a screening for a film. You got to put your uh, cell phone in a little bag. This is if you get to see it before the movie is actually released. Maybe you got to go to like when your 18-year-old is having a party and maybe there's some drinking so the parents put out a bowl and put like put all your keys in the bowl no one's driving home yeah. maybe you got to treat these people like freaking toddlers yeah. and say put your cell phone in the bowl until after the meeting because evidently the adults are acting like preteens and they can't keep their devices out of their hands for more than 30 40 an hour and a half 2 hours you're talking about the most important national security issues in the country it should be exciting enough i'm just gonna say that seems like a pretty interesting situation uh for me to listen about i mean the the you know the 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 most dangerous thing about this uh administration is just it's pure incompetence you know and that and that also comes with like the the public relations stuff like him calling her a dog like that is gross incompetence not to mention fucking foul yeah i mean and of of course that's just classic. We're so immune to it at this point. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes we just have to remember, like, not normal. Yeah. Not, normal. not I, normal. I just want a little parrot. Every morning <laughs> I wake up, and she's like, not normal. Not. I'll be like, thank you, parrot. That's correct. But we'll get through it. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's sheer incompetence yeah. uh, top to bottom. And it every is. Way, like, they can't even be assholes, right? No, they can't be. And, of course, this starts with uh, the culture of the White House. The uh, Donald Donald Trump obviously has set a tone for this White House that everyone else is uh, is um, sort of mirroring. And as we talked about a little bit on last podcast on the left with our Richard Kuklinski part three, you know, if the person on the top is a dim bulb, they just get darker from there. Yeah. So we have Donald Trump, who is acting flippantly on a regular basis via Twitter. They can't pry that from his cold, weird little orange hands. <laughs> and uh, that just is a culture that now permeates throughout the entire White House. Another point here, which CNN chose to cover for like 48 hours, uh, because there's no other issues going on, such as maybe the opioid epidemic. 
But there is possibly this tape uh, recording, this recording uh, during The Apprentice, Donald Trump saying the N-word. Okay, so this is a possibility. I don't necessarily know if we even need that as further evidence to understand this man's uh, sort of lack of uh, racial, I don't want to say... He's not exact. He's just he's not well spoken on the issue. Uh, I'll just say that. I, I would uh, say he's a racist. Y- you could argue. <laughs> I think that there are strong cases are, to be made. I think there uh, there is yes. ample evidence to call the man a, an an out and out racist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man refuses to uh, rent his apartments to black tenants. Yeah. That's ample evidence to call someone a racist. That's a check mark. Yep, that is. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And okay. I don't I don't throw I don't throw that word out uh very often, but in this case, uh I can I can say that I believe with all of my heart mm-hmm. that that man is uh a tr- tried and true uh old man racist. Well, he did pardon that great grandmother, but then he also pardoned uh Sheriff Joe, Joe Arpaio. Arpaio. Yeah. So, if you get a chance, by the way, Watch Who is America. Have you been watching that series? I watched the Joe. I think the Joe Arpaio thing. I think that was I, as much as I hate Joe Arpaio. I think that was a bit of a setup. Well, they're all setups. No, Marcus. but I mean setup as in Joe Arpaio just didn't understand what he what uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was yeah. saying, and so he just agreed with everything. Yes, that's a problem. <laughs> you have to say, could you repeat that, please? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what was that about white supremacy? Could you repeat that? Did you watch the one with Dick Cheney? I didn't want. Oh, I didn't know yet. Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. This is phenomenal. Dick Cheney uh, understood. Every single thing Sasha Baron Cohen's character was saying. He was playing uh, the really strong, uh, militant uh, Jewish uh, yeah. guy. And he has him actually sign his waterboard gallon. <laughs> he brings out an empty gallon of water and he's like, Can you sign my waterboard? And Dick Cheney signs it. Of course. They talk about torture. Dick Cheney laughs, as I mentioned too on Kuklinski, at all the weirdest parts. <laughs> he, he laughs when he talks about the torture and the waterboarding. He's asked, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen asks him, what's his favorite war? Mm-hmm. And then it's it's Gulf War One, by the way. Because oh, the man went over, he had three. So <laughs> most of us don't even get to have one war that we start frivolously. Uh-huh. But he had three. Yeah. It's a If you get a chance, watch it. It's a little cringy at some times. But I got to say, Sasha Baron Cohen, I don't know how he is as a human being, but his nuts are like, woo. They are clinging and ca- clanging. It is like, it's me if I go to a pottery barn mm-hmm. when I walk by all the, when I walk by the, the, the things that cling and clang. What do you call those? Pots and pants. Pots and pants. Pots and pants. The reason but why he a- is crazy, man. That dude is intense and very committed. The reason why I had a problem with the Joe Arpaio thing is uh, because I saw all these headlines of Joe Arpaio admits to wanting to give a blowjob to President oh, Trump. Oh, that whole point. Pl- yeah, like, that was. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that right there, like, don't trick the don't don't do that like that that's well, it's sleazy don't claim victories where there are no victories to be had i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to put on my contra contradiction hat no my uh what do you call it counterpoint hat counterpoint hat counterpoint hat it's on he's sheriff joe arpaio of embarrass course. him no, no no any chance you get he and roy moore the roy moore one was that was actually very short oh yeah but that's a, what i'm saying is that yeah embarrass him do whatever you want right. but that's not the headline 
You know, like that's no, that that's was a not, joke. That's that that was a joke. Yeah. That's not the headline. That's not what you focus on. Yeah, I agree. The the part that I would have focused on much more was when he talked about white nationalism and, and yeah, and then Sheriff Joe was like, Donald Trump will like you. Yeah. You think just like Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, going no, that, back to Marcus's uh, uh, earlier point about Donald Trump being a racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that that right there is important. That's you know? a much bigger issue. Yeah, the the blowjob thing. You're right. It was just a turn of it was just a turn of a phrase. Yeah. And I don't think that it was shit. funny to watch. It was great. It was, <laughs> like it was Ugh, very, it was very enjoyable Joe. to watch. But, what a but that's not that's not the headline. That's so, not what people should be. Fo- that's not what you should be focusing on. Sure. So anyway, going back to the uh, perhaps this this uh, this footage from The Apprentice, this audio of Donald Trump saying the N word. CNN covered it ad nauseum. We don't know, but there's a lot of evidence to 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 uh, show in in action and in practice. Uh, that he has done some things that are uh, unsavory to the African-American community, to say yeah. the least. Um, so, of course, it's sort of her playing on a common trope that he is a racist. So people, if you want to believe it, you can believe it. If you don't want to believe it, you don't have to believe it. I was on uh, Fox America's newsroom on Fox News, mm. and you know it's so funny going on there because they attempted to defend Donald Trump for calling her a dog, and they were like, well, you know what, Ben? She called him a racist. And I'm like, and he called her a lowlife dog. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make it good. Like, no. And she's like, it's offensive to call him a racist. I'm like, anyway, well, it, it is a, kind of funny. evidence that he is a racist. Yes. Well, uh, who knows if there's evidence of him saying the N-word. We'll figure well, that you out. Don't have to, you don't have to say a racial slur to be a racist. No. And I would assume um, that, uh, I would assume it slipped out of his mouth a time. Or I would assume. I <laughs> I don't know anymore. I would assume yeah. a time or two. A time yeah. or two. A time or two. I will say, I don't think, it's funny when, it's, obviously Amarosa is a black woman. Some people are trying to say that his attack on her is racist in itself, and I don't think that that's true. He calls everyone horrible names, Pocahontas, Wacky, Little, whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. So her the nicknames for her is Low Life and Dog. Yeah. Uh, it's it's all she's par for the course as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that he's uh, necessarily attacking Amarosa because of her race. I think it might be uh, simply that she didn't want to be there anymore as well. And I don't think they ever had a job for her. No. I don't know what the hell this whole. Why was she there? Out of like all the draining of the swamp stuff, why is she there? I, no one even knew. She was the only black person he knew besides Ben Carson, and she was the only one in the administration. <laughs> I, oh, that's, that's a problem. That's it. Anyway. That's, that's the reason why is because she was the only black person he knew. Yeah, the only one that maybe would take the job until, of course, we have Kanye come in as uh, the press secretary, <laughs> and then you wait and see what happens to those meetings. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the little reality show sideshow of this week uh, when it comes to uh, the re- the reality show presidency of Donald John Trump. Mm-hmm. Who knows if this book is going to Oh, wait, go never anywhere. mind. No, he also knows O.J. Simpson. He knows O.J. <laughs> good people on both sides of that. It's good people on both sides yeah. of that case there yeah, between, yeah. Uh, yeah, between Brown to... and uh, Gold, Goldman uh-huh. yeah, 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 and Bra- O.J. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, O.J. and Trump used to hang out a lot. Really? A ton of pictures of them together, yeah. No kidding. Good friends. Mm, birds of a feather. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> 
Hi guys, Ben Kissel here for Quip. Do you dread dentist appointments, skip brush-ins, can't remember the last time you changed your toothbrush? Like the saying goes, you only need to brush the teeth you want to keep. Brushing your teeth is one of the most important things you do every day for your health. But so many of us brush our teeth incorrectly or for not enough time. That's why Quip is here to help you brush better. Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes you see in stores. The Quip may be small, but it packs powerful vibrations to keep your teeth clean and healthy. My favorite feature is the built-in timer that uses guiding pulses to help you switch sides and make sure you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes. Quip subscription plans aren't just wildly convenient, they also keep you healthy. Quip delivers new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule. Every three months, you'll get a new brush head for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Quip comes with a wireless mirror mount that declutters your bathroom and doubles as a travel cover, so it's the easiest and most refreshing travel companion. Don't just take my word for it, take Oprah's. Quip was on the Oprah's O list, named one of Time's best inventions, and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Quip was also named the best electric toothbrush by GQ and the Tesla of toothbrushes by Bloomberg. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists, and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day. Still unsure? Quip is designed to last and is covered for the life of your plan, and you can return it for up to 30 days if it's not love at first brush. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, and if you go to getquip.com slash top hat right now, you'll get your first refill pack free. Free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash top hat. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash top hat. All right. Slightly more serious news. Um, and go out there and buy Amorosa's book unhinged. Okay. Uh, slightly more serious news. John Brennan, he's the former head of the CIA, CIA director. His security clearance was just revoked. This is very uncommon. And a lot of people have said it's unprecedented. And if I hear that word one more time, I'm jumping off a roof. <laughs> It's we'll make it a short one and then just go to the hospital for a little bit. Oh, yeah. It'll be like a Playmobil roof. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll stomp on Legos. How about that? I'll right. stomp on a Lego Starcraft or something. All right. So John Brennan has been on television regularly now for about two years mm-hmm. and obviously no fan of the president. And so he's been blasting him a bunch for a series of different reasons. And so Donald Trump said, "Okay, I'm going to revoke your security clearance. Obviously, he's no longer with the CIA, but a lot of people have security clearance. Sally Yates still has security clearance. Um, uh, There's about they want to this guy or I think uh, Peter Strzok is now gone. So I'm assuming he doesn't have it anymore. There's about eight people that the Republicans or Sean Hannity Republicans, whoever the hell those people are, they want to see their security clearance revoked. Uh, And, you know, all it really does is send a message that if you talk poorly about Donald Trump on national television and you have any access to the White House whatsoever, the door is now closed. And as I mentioned again on America's Newsroom regarding Peter Strzok, who is now fired, of course, the former FBI agent who sent all the text messages, he and and the gal, uh, uh, Miss Page, he was having an affair with, they single-handedly were going to derail Donald Trump, because that's how it works. (laughs) Um, But he's been fired. I am a little bit concerned with the hyper-politicization of our intelligence community. I think it's going to hurt them and their ability to do their job. Of course, we also have John Brennan, who... 
This is another area where the left is aggravating me. This is a man who really put in place a lot of the spy programs. He's not like a good – none of these people are like people that I really like that much. I think they're uh, – the NSA, all that stuff. Brennan watched over all of those things. Obama's drone war, he was huge on it. So it's not like he's the greatest guy on earth. But in that world, um, it does set a precedent, precedent now. If you go against the president, you're going to have your security clearance revoked, which might have a stifling effect on speech. Now – what is I don't under, quite understand what security clearance means when access, it comes to these people that are no longer in the government. He had access to the the top secret files and things like oh, that. Wow. And so he was he was able to uh, correspond with those people, and they would seek his advice. And he was able to um, you know talk. They were able to talk freely with him about what issues they're facing in the CIA and the intelligence communities. So basically, he was um, he was a confidant and a uh, uh, a uh, who's Men- someone you go to advice mentor for. type of thing mentor <laughs> uh, a uh, what do you call Mar- Marcus? There's a word a in the rabbi, time. not a rabbi. <laughs> We're gonna get into that in a second. Uh, what do you call that? He's a go-to guy. No, it's a word here. A trusted confidant. Sure, <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, he's someone that they would reach out to. Um, and uh, he would he would give advice and in, in his perspective on certain issues. But now that the the phones will dry up, he will not have access, and people will not have the ability to share with him what they know is going on. So what, that's really it. So what reason did Trump give for doing this? Well, the reasoning is the law states that you can have it. You you got it for life. The only re- and you, you really should not uh, be uh, revoked. Unless you start changing, unless you um, your actions don't reflect that of someone who is actively working in the CIA. Mm-hmm. So they argue he's now a political pundit. I think he might be. I don't know if he's a contributor to MSNBC or it's always on CNN, too. They are arguing that he is no longer acting as an agent of the CIA. Gotcha. They say he's now a political pundit and therefore he no longer has the right to security clearance. So, so that's their argument. But again, it really is not uh, very common for this to happen, and I'm slightly concerned when we hyper-politicize the intelligence community, what that will lead to, because as we see time and time again, whether it be uh, changing the Senate from 60 votes to 51, uh, you know, whether it be doing away with the filibuster, when it, one party does it, the next party will take full advantage of it when they get power. So now we have set a precedent for the president of the United States to revoke security clearance to uh, fire people in the intelligence community based on their political affiliations. And I think that's very dangerous because that's supposed to be, and I know this is like fantasy land, but it's supposed to be a, a nonpartisan uh, you know, part of the government. But obviously everything is political now, including Sam Adams' beer. Yeah. Um, evidently there's a boycott on that. Yep. So um, it's just a reflection of society and – I think it's I think it's a negative step and I think it's a step in the wrong direction, but it is well within the president's right to do it. And so that's what it is right now. We'll see if that continues. We'll see if they get all the other people out of there that they wanted to get out of there. And of course, they were able to do that with Peter Strzok. They also want to get uh, Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein out. There's so much. There's a lot of what they would call draining the swamp Mm. or doing away with the deep state. But in reality, they're just purging anyone that has a uh, counterpoint to their narrative and they would assume they would 
put in a yes man there, which is going to um, eliminate a very important check when it comes to governmental powers. Yeah. So I, I, we got to be very careful there, folks. Even if you do support Donald Trump, you still if, a, if we can't have a government full of yes men. Yeah. Um, or yes women. Because it's, it's that's how that's how you get a dictatorship. That's how you get a totalitarian government. Uh, you know, Putin has a lot of yes men around him, and anyone who says no ends up uh, getting uh, poisoned. Yeah, I mean, the problem with this stuff is that you know, once the cat is out of the bag, very rarely do things go back to the way they were. Right. Uh, Ameri- no, absolutely. Yeah, American politics is a forward marching machine. Yeah. Uh, and once a precedent is established, you know, every all these different processes start getting built around it. Yeah. Uh, and it is extremely difficult to untie a knot and, once you've already tied it. Man, I got to say, dude, we are in, and I want to talk about that Sam Adams boycott just here in one second because it's so ludicrous, but in more of the context of how everything is being politicized. But um, it, we got to remember, man, I, I just feel like the pot is like 100 degrees right now. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see some people, again, just normalize what's happening in Washington, normalize this administration, and... Um, and think that this is how it's going to be or how it should be. It's we are. It's funny to see the frog boil, mm-hmm. and we're all in it, and it's just happening in real time. And especially when I go on Fox News, some of these people are very smart. I know a lot of them before this, and I would like, well, I disagree with you, but at least like Dana Perino, I got to do her show. It was great. She's not a Trump supporter, but um, you kind of you got to toe the line. You got to toe the line. And uh, it, it's interesting to see, um, you know, Tucker Carlson, who at least back when he was doing Crossfire with Paul Begala, mm-hmm. that show was great. And it was an intellectual show. And now everything is off the rails because they exploit uh, the Tucker fall. Carlson's always kind of been an asshole. Oh, yeah. But at least he, <laughs> at least he made like conservative points. Right. You know, now he just brings on the farthest left people. And then they look crazy. Mm-hmm. And then he says, nah, I'm the reasonable one. And in the context of the person, for example, they were debating, um, I, what were they debating? Banning balloons or something like that. And, you know, it is what it is. But he brought on this this gal called the liberal Sherpa. And this woman is, she's like a San Francisco liberal, very, but even liberal by their standards. And so, of course, she comes across as a little bit nuts. Yeah. And then he's like, see, point proven. And it's just like, but the point's not proven and nothing has been productive. The whole and the left does the same thing. They yes, bring they on do. the farthest right and the then Daily they can show say does the same the, shit. The same stuff. The Daily they, Show, by the way, we know our friend Michael Che. None of those interviews are real. They they sit down for two hours, they cut different um answers from different questions. It's unfortunate that we lived in an era where that was taken seriously. And if you really want to go back, and I've said this for years, the original Daily not the original, but the John Stewart Daily Show. People, my generation, were taking that as news. They were not tethered to any ethics. And I think that was really one of the beginnings of what we see now with uh, people not trusting anything. I disagree with that. I well, don't think it was the beginnings of people t- not trusting anything. They because really trusted John Stewart. They did trust John Stewart, but I think what John Stewart gave us uh, at the time, <clears throat> and I think it's something that like is sorely needed now, uh, is that John Stewart always gave people hope. Uh, at every turn, like well, you he could was always, great. you could he always tune into the Daily Show during the Bush years, and you could always uh, find hope. You know, yeah. even after like nine eleven, like you could always, like I'll never forget the yeah. episode that he did coming back from nine eleven mm. when he brought out the puppy from underneath the desk at the end yeah. of it. Yeah, that was so beautiful. But that and, was great. And all throughout yeah. those years, like he, there was a, a touchstone, and, and I think in politics, like we needed that. We needed some yeah. sort of touchstone to kind of come back to 
always calm down. You could always go back to John Stewart. He did do a great and job of he that. He always calmed you down uh, and said, "You still got to fight. You still got to go through this. You still right. got to fucking get through it." But there is going to be an end to all this, and we don't have that anymore. We no. don't have a we don't have a touchstone anymore. No, and the Daily Show now is just. I mean, no, no, no maligning oh, it's anyone. Trash. It's just not good. It's trash um, it's because absolute... it just lost its. It lost everything. Well, yeah, it, it lost was... its soul. But anyway, nonetheless, that that's a good point. I'm maybe it's not so much John Stewart. It's just some of their. Uh, as we see with their correspondence, I mean, the co- their the own cor- shows now that yeah. is like a little bit crazy. Yeah, I mean, well, the correspondence and the field pieces, like you never really took that, or I at least never really took that seriously. Yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah. I guess we can never. I, I I guess I underestimated the gullibility of of Americans. Yeah, uh, I, I think so, we all did. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of interesting to see that because you know we work well, and you know you know we work in TV and entertainment and stuff. So like once you do like television news and stuff, like the idea of taking if you only get your news from there, like Fox News. I was watching it last night. I just went on a rock block, mm-hmm. just three <laughs> hours of Fox News. I put on my mustache and I was just like, oh, get off my lawn, mm-hmm. you know. And I was I was uh, you know talking about Vietnam. And my own mind with my own little secret friend and um <laughs> it is if once you marinate in it it does con- it beats you over the head with the narrative mm-hmm. cnn does the same thing honestly msnbc i don't want to talk about television news but msnbc i i, I is might be the best one yeah be, at least they bring on different people and stuff like that um but anyway that's what that's uh an interesting time mm-hmm. that we're living in regarding uh normalizing this administration or, you know, just hating everything that's happening and with no, like, there's no middle ground whatsoever, very little nuance uh, from any of these networks because they're just trying to sell their ads because these war companies that support them need their money. Um, let's talk a little bit here about this boycott culture. So Sam Adams, great beer. Have you had it? It's fine. You don't like it? It, it tastes a little bit like soap to me. Like soap? Yeah. Like a Christmas story? <laughs> I loved that scene when he came in and he was blind. Uh-huh. It was soap. I told my parents that could happen. Uh, Sam Adams, there's a boycott because the dude who owns Sam Adams, Sam Adams is the largest independent brewery in the country. I don't know why I know this. It's about 3% of the market, which mm-hmm. is makes it the third largest brewery in the country. That just tells you uh, Anheuser-Busch and Coors, pretty dominant. Mm-hmm. There's a great documentary. This is the very close and near i watched dirty wars and i was like yeah dirty wars okay beer wars yeah that's a documentary you got to see dirty wars is great but beer wars uh talks all about how impossible it is to break into the beer market because all the laws interstate travel and stuff like that uh it's really strict and so it's almost impossible to do but there's a boycott because the dude who owns sam adams said that he was for the trump tax cuts but of course he is, yeah. because he just got a huge tax cut, and uh, it's probably helped his business quite a bit. And then, so the liberals are like, I'm not going to drink Sam Adams beer anymore, which is like, okay. But then we also have, going back to what we were talking about earlier, with who is setting the culture, Donald Trump was just speaking to a bunch of Harley Davidson work or Harley Davidson bike riders uh, at this biker club or whatever the hell it was, and he was like talking about how the boycott, how they should boycott Harley Davidson, yeah, because they're moving overseas because they don't like the tariffs. So we have this culture of flippantly boycotting these companies, which I have not seen any indication that the numbers actually go down with these boycotts if anything as we saw with the keurig boycotts because of sean hannity they probably sales increased because all these idiots broke their keurigs and then had to buy new (laughs) keurigs because they're too lazy to boil up or or to make a cup or make a pot of coffee themselves the old-fashioned way with a filter Mm -hmm. but 
anyway, so the the boycott thing, I, I just think it's it's gotten so crazy. It has. And it's so sensitive. And it's like not just because something doesn't fit perfectly into your political worldview doesn't mean you have to go and boycott them entirely. People are overly engaged. And I think some people are getting uh, engaged for the first time. And just like anyone else, as soon as you get into it, like religion, as soon as you become an evangelical, like my friend did in college, he changed like 180 slowly over the, I mean, he rejected science. He rejected everything. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, it was crazy. He, uh, he left funny. on Friday, came back on Sunday and rejected science and everything. And I was the devil. Um, for some reason, just, I've been the devil a time or two as well. Dude. It's, it's fine. crazy, and you know, so I think people have become sort of evangelical, evangelicalized, yeah, evangelized, 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 or evangel, oh, whatever it is. They've been um, really radicalized in some ways because this might be their first uh, dip into politics, and we just have to like calm down and, of course, uh, drink Sam Adams if you like it. It really doesn't matter. Uh, just stop with all this madness. But again, Donald Trump is the one setting the tone for this boycott culture. Look no further. Speaking of race relations, what happens every time there's a Sunday yeah. in the NFL, uh, Fox News, for example, uh, this was ridiculous. Fox News broke down how many players kneeled, how many players uh, gave the fist, and how many players stayed in the locker room. I think the total number was like seven. Uh -huh. There are 32 teams, 53 people on each team. Very few people are actually protesting well within their rights to do so. And they're just stoking the flames of racial tension. And, uh, you know, just a way for Donald Trump to constantly galvanize his base. Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, part part of people being a, a little bit too much into the boycott, and I hadn't really thought about it until you said something. Like, you remember when we first got into politics way back when to kind of go back to college a little bit? Oh, yeah. Do you remember it. the first time you read a Michael Moore book? Yeah, loved it, man. Yeah, dude, but, where's my where's my country? Dude, where's my country? But do you remember how obnoxious you were with it? Because I remember oh, I, I was extremely obnoxious with it. Because you you yeah. want to talk about it all the time. You want to tell everybody about it. You want to tell everybody about this new knowledge that you have. But the thing is mm -hmm. that back then we had what three people listening to us. Four? Yeah, maybe, like, maybe. <laughs> like maybe that. those are the people that you had to talk to. But now yeah, on a global platform, uh, we we can have thousands of people listen to us we can have tens of thousands hundreds of thousands right. people listen to us uh if only if we're loud enough uh, well, I mean, so i think uh, yeah. i don't know if people have really changed as much no. as the size of the microphone has changed yeah and everyone's screaming and no one's no one's listening no one's and that's listening. a major problem yeah except for the listeners of this show thank you all so much for listening we love yeah. you <laughs> and i hope that uh i hope that you like listening uh, yeah. to us yeah so yes um the boycott culture just live your life and just Live, laugh, love, as Henry Zabrowski says at the end of Side Stories. <laughs> um, also, just just finally, and we're going to do a much deeper dive on this, but the, the, really the most disturbing story of this week coming out of Pennsylvania, whew, the uh, pedophile priests. Uh, this has been absolutely brutal. Uh, over 300, I think it was 301 <sighs> uh, priests have been um, uh, accused, this grand jury in Pennsylvania, Two years. Oh. The two-year grand jury. Wow. I did it for two weeks, and uh, I aged eight months. I mean, it was crazy. So there are over a 1,000 counts of pedophilia. Uh, the entire Catholic Church seems to be complicit. They, they have said that the former Nazi pope, being a Nazi wasn't the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, evidently, Pope Benedict 
the the rumor is, I suppose, that he had uh, some very controversial um, actions. He did very controversial things regarding the cover-ups of all of this. The priests were simply shifted around. They have these things called secret files um, where they documented it's because of Canaan law. They documented all of the abuses. So they knew all of the abuses. And then specifically, we're like, so you don't tell the cops about this. We handle this in-house. And they continued to promote these priests, bishops, whatever it might be, you know, to different higher positions. They promoted up some of the worst people. And this scandal is going to be, it is huge and this trial is going to be disgusting and yeah. so sad there's only two priests because the most recent accusations are from 2010 so they're within the uh, within the statute of limitations only two priests will be facing a trial um and hopefully the victims of this can get some justice i i took care of many kids who were molested uh, with uh, foster care you don't come to foster care you don't become in, in the you don't get into the foster care program because everything in your life went great uh, a lot of molestation and it shatters lives and the catholic church needs to do something and do something quick. Uh, if you're Catholic out there, please DM me at Ben Kissel one. I want to know how it's possible to have any connection to this religion whatsoever. Yeah, I was watching a, a program and the priest during this time was said, "Well, you know, most priests don't, uh, you know, commit acts of uh, of violence against children." He said, "Out of the fifteen thousand priests, only three hundred of them were pedophiles." That number seems high. And also, how many people haven't come forward? Yeah, I would double it. I'm just gonna. I, I think that's conservative I mean, to double it. I mean, if that, what percent? I mean, it's three hundred out of how many? Fifteen thousand. Three hundred out of fifteen thousand. It's enough. That's for damn sure. I wonder how that stacks up with other professions. We'll we'll do more of this when we like hear race car drivers. Race car drivers. What do you mean, man? No, they're cool, dude. They're, they're driving fast. It's like they're on the autobahn all the time. But that story, uh, if you've been following it, will make. And that's why it, it aggravates me that that wasn't the number one story of the week. Somehow, Amarosa uh, overshadowed her. Uh, overshadowed her. I suppose we're complicit in that too because we don't have a lot of time here left. But uh, yeah, just look at that story. And my God, uh, how brutal is that? And uh, our hearts go out to the victims, and hopefully they can clean up this this mess. I, I It just seems so systemic in the Catholic Church. It seems so much ingrained in their in their fabric. Yeah. I don't see how you're going to have to tear the whole thing apart. I got no idea either. And there's a lot of money involved. And, that's the, and don't forget that. There's a lot of money here. It's not about religion. It's about cash. Um, all right. Well, we'll cover more of that on the next episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Find me on Instagram at benkissel one Feel free to DM me. Marcus Parks is Marcus Parks for everything. And we will see you all in Phoenix and Santa Ana this weekend. Cannot wait. We love you. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye, buddy.